And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is live from the bunker. A little head-banging music to get our blood pumping there for a little bit. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. And I imagine we might be banging our head against the wall on a few things by the time this episode is over, just hearing some of the stuff that's coming out of this. Uh, Anyway, we are broadcasting live to Odyssey, Facebook, and YouTube. And uh, it looks like all of the signals are there. So if you are with us live, you can jump in the chat, share your thoughts, ask your questions. You can also leave us a comment. If you're in playback, Memorex mode, uh, you can always leave a comment. You can send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And of course, we're on various different socials. We do uh, invite you to sign up for our newsletter and such. And uh, those, of you, those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, there's a number of players where we're available there. Uh, if you're among our audience in Russia, um, please don't invade Ukraine. We've, we've got enough to worry about here, I think. <laughs> Uh, good numbers on our show yesterday. Cameron Pasha, Judah Inglemeyer here to talk about what was going on with Lucasfilm and Disney. And we've probably got another rabbit hole of sorts today uh, because we're going to be taking a look at the Activision Blizzard kerfuffle, I guess you could say is what it's called. Something mess. Let me do an adjustment here real quick and bring in our guest and my co-host. Ryan Gallagher is our intern from Harding University. He's been covering our games uh, segments and, uh, and doing some playthroughs over on our Twitch channel. And from Michigan, our guest... Richard Hogue, he is the managing member of Hogue Law in uh, in Michigan, and you might have seen him, uh, as we discovered him, on Nick Ricada's panel discussions while they were covering the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Richard, thanks very much for being here, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, just a real quick, I, I went ahead and put this little disclaimer on the bottom as, as a legal thing, but uh, you know we're not going to be actually giving anybody any legal advice, although I think Bobby, t- Bobby Kotick could probably take some. Maybe. <laughs> well, I always, I, I always feel for lawyers with any kind of high-profile client. You know, lawyers can only lead the horse to water. It just depends on exactly what happens from there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, standard disclaimer rules, whenever you see a lawyer in any kind of context apply, it's informational, <laughs> educational, hopefully entertaining. It's not legal advice. I'm not your lawyer. If you got legal questions, definitely go get a lawyer of your own because <laughs> they can be useful. Yes, I suppose they could. I mean, you guys, you guys knocked it out of the park with the Rittenhouse case. I mean, the, Thank you. the coverage there, that was, that was excellent. And, and it obviously triggered some people, uh, having having youtube knock it out for a couple of times so that was that was interesting to watch so yeah closing arguments day we had that happen to us <laughs> twice very unusual um but uh yeah i think it's i think it's useful yeah. right you know however you come out on those kinds of issues i think it's useful to have more voices um and and different folks certainly from our expertise you know the interesting thing about that whole stream is that I, i'm not a litigator uh, what we're going to talk about today is is way more within what I do. I'm, I'm a commercial transactions attorney. I, I look at mergers, acquisitions, how companies form, how companies function. Um, and I, I was there. Nick invited me there essentially because uh, they started talking about video games, which in, in my neck of the woods, I have a YouTube channel. I talk about video games and, and how the law intersects, how business intersects with those things. And you might remember this, the Rittenhouse trial or not, but um, as part of his cross-examination, they started saying that maybe Call of Duty was responsible uh, and so I started tweeting about it as I want to do. Uh, and then Nick said, you want to come on? I was like, are you sure? I don't you know. I've, I haven't seen court since I was in law school, um, but uh, I think it was good. And I think uh, I think I was useful there uh, and, uh, hopefully asking good questions about process and, and otherwise talking about the philosophies of law and, and how these elements should all play in. It was certainly very interesting. And I think I think Nick uh, and the rest of LawTube or whatever you want to call that group is is out there doing good work. I think it's interesting also that if, if you, the layperson tends to forget that lawyers 
have specialties. And yes, and it's this it's an easy thing to assume. Well, you're a lawyer. You should know how it goes. And and if it's not within your specific area of practice, you might or might not know the the particulars about that that type of law. I mean, because there's a lot of it. I mean, there's a big difference between criminal law and copyright law, for example. Or, or <laughs> Absolutely. Like right. Well, I mean, the big the big split. Right. And there's always these various practice groups and things. The big split is litigators and non-litigators. Yeah. Right. So for the most part, I'm dealing with financings and contracts and those kinds of things, which means hopefully I'm pretty good at talking about them. Uh, but from the litigation standpoint, you know, I've been trained in reading elements of the case and, and really everybody on that stream and elsewhere you know, is, is coming to a new law, is coming to a new set of elements if you're not from Wisconsin, right? And you can have self-defense laws that look slightly different in every single jurisdiction. You can mm-hmm. have every kind of law. You know, I did a video talking about Alec Baldwin's situation, and you're looking then at the New Mexico manslaughter laws, which are going to be different from everywhere else. Um, and a lawyer, hopefully, if they've been trained properly, can go and explain how you read those elements and what you should take into account and those kinds of things, which I think I can do. But when it comes to, you know... The prosecutor and should object in this particular instance because this evidence was labeled this and, and those kinds of things. That's where I sit back and listen and learn just like anybody else. And I think I think it was a great experience um, for kind of independent conversation and expertise on those things, even though I wish, of course, it came in different circumstances. Yeah. Well, and speaking of videos, I am going to I am going to make a recommendation here for people to hey, sit back channel. and watch and 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 listen to. Your many videos, I mean, I think on, on the Activision Blizzard subject alone, you're up to, what, 30, I think, now by, by I today? I think yesterday's might have been 30. It, it, it's either 29 or 30. And, you know, I wish it wasn't the case, but Activision as a company just tends to make the news for very interesting <laughs> reasons very often. I, I, I look at this and I'm thinking to myself, how how do we get to this point where this is still, uh, you know, the idea of harassment in the workplace. I mean, the drum has been beaten on that so much and so often, especially now in the last five, ten years, it's gotten much more attention it's gotten, you know, there's a lot more concern about it and much more public discussion about it. And for something like this to come out after all of this time where where people have established this is a bad thing to do in your corporate culture, how, how did we get to this point? I mean, is this... I've seen comments where they're saying that, you know, is in, especially in, in the case of the California lawsuit, they're describing a culture that no longer applies at Activision, and yet we have all of this other stuff that's coming out saying, well, actually, kind of, yeah, there is. So for those people who are not up to speed about what's going on over there, let's let's kind of backtrack, because this started, I believe, back in July. Is that when the, the first thing happened, or was it before filing that? was July 20th, yeah. Okay. And, and it was basically, there's this frat boy culture of... Uh, you know what what they called cube crawls. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lots of handsy right. handsy behavior, and and I'm like, I've read about this happening in other. There was another. I want to say there was another game company. It might have been TSR uh, when it all first started, and it was you know, hey, we're a bunch of we're a bunch of college kids, and we don't know anything about business, and we're just going to do this, and and the frat house. Uh, mentality kind of applied there until suddenly we're this big giant company. We need to actually take business seriously now. Do you think some of that is, is in play here with Activision? Well, I mean, I I think you've, you've touched on a few of the important aspects of this definitely, which is, you know, Activision this year comes after riot games was investigated and had all sorts of articles written about it last year for a very similar kind of concept. Um, and I do think there's there's a pathway to succeeding in certain industries, including the video game industry, that don't require you to necessarily go through the same kind of financing sources or growth patterns that generally lead to a kind of mellowing of whatever your startup or founder culture might have been. And, and as you can imagine, startup and founder culture, where you're talking about six folks in a room or or just a very, very dominant founder leading a specific company can have an enormous effect on the culture. 
Uh, but when you start talking about bigger companies, and, and that's why Activision is a little bit of an unusual case, there needs there, there's more checks and balances, right? You have more auditors, you have more securities people interested, you have more lawyers, you have more HR, and that tends to kind of even things out because in general, you sit down with a company like Activision and they say, all right, look at us, what are we doing wrong? I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, I'm sorry, do you, do you have kegs and alcohol at all of your <laughs> subsidiaries and offices? And, and you know, we have instances in culture that we see that drinking on work premises was, was more common. You see, of course, the famous example of Mad Men, which is, as far as I understand it, pretty reflective of certain 50s cultures and certain of those companies. But any lawyer with any experience on any kind of employment or labor issue is going to sit down and say, well, drinking on premises, we, you, you got to watch that because even um, relatively good people, right? Alcohol can change things for interpersonal relations and they can certainly change things for how people remember them, how they react to them. And you get, when you get those kinds of fact patterns of, oh, there's a cube crawl, jumps off the screen, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah. So at bare minimum, they're having some kind of drunken parties that definitely in any drunken party environment, everybody's not gonna be comfortable with. There's gonna be people that either aren't drinking, aren't into the environment. And when you start to get drunk folks around, you start to run risks that appear in places like the California lawsuit. Now, I do wanna point out before we kind of dive further onto the harassment side, the California lawsuit actually has two parts, the first of which is much more broadly kind of defined and, and they have a lot more language about it. And that's an objection to the way discrimination was handled or not properly handled at Activision, primarily with the way women were paid, hired, fired, promoted. Right. California threw the entire book at them for effectively treating women differently than men. And I think there are certain things that you can poke holes in as to the way California reported that in their complaint. Unfortunately, we still don't have an Activision answer uh, because Activision has succeeded in kind of extending out and extending out and extending out with the legal process. They haven't actually answered that document as far as I'm aware of. That could change as this video goes up because it's owed. It's it's really owed already. Uh, so they could answer that document at any time. Uh, but we don't actually have Activision's formal legal response. Yeah. And the bulk of that document is... You aren't paying women the same as men for the same work. You aren't hiring them at the right rates. You aren't promoting them. You're terminating them for less, that kind of thing. And then you have the stuff that made the headlines, right? Then you have basically three paragraphs of the Crosby suite, as originally written, uh, since corrected to the Cosby suite, the, the cube crawls, and then one you know very kind of disturbing report, but that would still have to be proved in court with a little bit unclarity of how exactly they plan to go about doing that. Right. Um, and that, so, that particular case, you're talking about the, the employee who decided to uh, stop her own life, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the allegation in the California complaint is that that was a direct result of potentially pictures being passed around. Right. Which they say was, was chalked up to one specific employee interview. The legal process always has to go about its course. Right. But you look at that document, you have these data points and you say, well, it will be interesting to see how that progresses um, as part of the litigation. And then as, as part of that whole thing, Activision Blizzard comes with a full press to the mattresses, absolutely irate response message that I think is published originally in IGN. And that's when I sat back and said, oh my goodness, Activision Blizzard is, is acting pretty crazy here. They're very, very angry. And, and on, on virtual legality on my channel, one of the things we do a lot of is look at corporate messaging, right? We talk about, oh, the, the, the Bioware heads left and how did they talk about this? And why is the electronic arts person saying this? And what can we pull out of these messages? Because in general, they're vetted. They're vetted by public relations. They're vetted by crisis communicators. They're vetted by lawyers so that you don't foot fault and say something that the securities administration is not going to like, right? That particular message was so clearly emotional that it was coming straight from the C-suite. And, and if it was vetted, it was lightly. Uh, and that's really what I think got this ball rolling because it really fomented outrage that regardless of how you feel, Activision says, you know, California, this is a witch hunt and the government hates us and maybe we'll move and all these kinds of things. It, even if that's the most truth, truthful thing that Bobby Kotick or anybody else in Activision could say, it's not going to play well. It, you always have to be considering what your audience is and what you're trying to achieve with messaging. And effectively, they were just angry. And that snowballed and snowballed and snowballed until you come to today where you've got stakeholder fractures across investors, across business partners, across employees. Um, and in my opinion, you know, they, they could have answered it, they could have dealt with it in a legal way, just like they did with the EEOC, which we can of course talk about, but their public outfacing image has created many, many more problems for them than even the original California lawsuit. 
and Bobby Kotek, of course, is the CEO. Is that right? And he bought. Yes, he's the CEO. He originally bought Activision when it was pretty much in dire straits. I think he spent something like four hundred thousand for it, and it's now yeah, valued it's somewhere uh, in the what's it worth now? Fifteen, fifteen billion. It's in the billions. I haven't checked the market cap. To be honest with you, it's changing daily uh, <laughs> since these news uh, articles came out and all of this has happened. It's, it's lost a, a double-digit percentage of its market valuation since this all dropped. Yeah, well, in the last yeah, six months, we've go. seen a, a almost a 39% drop is now sitting at 59. Uh, but it does look like it's, it's on the uptick here just a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, this last week has a little bit of buyback. I mean, you know, investors are investors, right? They're looking for ROI. And at some point, Activision, which does own one of the most valuable intellectual properties in video games, is undervalued, right? Regardless of everything else. And people don't like to hear that. And, yeah. and that's totally fair. That doesn't, there's no justice in that. It's just the fact of the matter that they have a really valuable asset. And at some point, uh, they're worth more than that, regardless of what's happening in the news. How much of this is Activision corporate culture versus Blizzard, the game developer culture? Well, Activision would certainly like you to believe that it's, this is all primarily a result of them buying Blizzard a few years back and that Blizzard came with all these problems. And I certainly think the focus of what's in the California documents is suggestive of Blizzard. One of the problems I have with the California complaint is it's a little bit ambiguous about important things. Uh, the years, for instance, that we're talking about, they bring up that Cosby Suite complaint. And it, it turns out, at least by all kind of outlets reporting on it, that that's from 2012. And that, to me, is distinct from, oh, you've got a Cosby suite now, yeah. today, right? That, that sends a different message than that was before uh, his, his formal legal problem. It was, as people note in my comments, uh, after some of the, the more shunted aside legal problems. But it was still in an era where, I, at least I recall, it's like, I don't, I don't recall having very strong feelings about Bill Cosby one way or the other in 2012. Um, but that is left off the California complaint, right? They just imply that it's relatively recently, which is you can you can understand, you can sympathize with some of Activision's anger because California does that in a couple of places where they leave off details. And clearly Activision's like, this is ridiculous. And that's you know years ago and we've solved these issues. One of the things they keep leaning on, for instance, in their public communications is that they centralized their HR in 2019. When they were buying these subsidiaries, they had originally allowed for them to manage their own business, at, at least as described by Bobby Kotick. And you can take that with whatever size grain of salt as you want. But in 2019, they brought that all into a central kind of situation, presumably to start trying to fix some of this stuff, because as we know, the EEOC and Department of Fair Employment and Housing in California's investigation started in 2018. So Activision has been on alert that this was a potential cultural issue at their company since at least that time. So you can kind of understand some of their behavior for the last few years whether or not that gets them out of water with you is going to be largely dependent on how you feel about how they're handling things now right all right brian uh i'm going to let you jump in here while i push a couple of buttons here uh-huh uh my so like i i have kind of kept up with a little bit of it uh with yeah. like kind of the, the cosby suite and things like that uh, sure. and there's kind of this I, so the two things that they're like arguing they're or kind of presenting to it since uh, we're kind of just on it is just like the idea of like the Cosby suite featured this room with like just like uh, Bill Co was it Bill Cosby and there was like taking photos of it. Um, yeah, there's a big we portrait of Bill Cosby. It's a yeah. strange thing. Uh, <laughs> and I just wonder, it's just like how much like are there have there been photos of that released or like are those even published? About I've it? seen I, one. You've seen one. Kotaku uh, did an investigative piece when this was all breaking. They did good work. I, I don't always love uh, their editorializing. They did good work on this in the immediate aftermath of the California filing, and they appeared to find a couple of Facebook groups, and that's where they found those photos. So you do have people mm -hmm. like posing in front of that photo, mm -hmm. um, and then you have certain interviews and things that the Kotaku found where essentially there's a lack of recollection. And that, mm -hmm. that, that, that doesn't strike me as terribly odd for nine years ago, especially if it was kind of a drinking party kind of setup. Uh, but mostly they, they claim innocence, right? That it's a ridiculous yeah. photo. He's in one of the like Cosby sweaters from the 80s. Um, and it was just kind of a, a a social thing that I think one of them claims that they picked it up at a you know swap meet uh, or something like that. And who knows? Uh, it, it, this is all kind of Rorschach test, right? You look at it and you say, oh, well, you know, Bill Cosby, obviously uh, at this point in time, and you see the problems and then 
you can also imagine a world in which it was at least fairly innocent, still in a party environment, of course. Uh, but certainly California not mentioning that it was nine years ago is, is distinct from yesterday. Um, so I think Activision wants to be able to say, yes, yes, we had those issues. We took care of them. That's our job. That's that's our legal obligation is to look at things that come to our attention, investigate them and correct for them. And we did that. Um, and California clearly believes they didn't. Uh, and the EEOC clearly believes that they didn't do uh, as much as they could. And that's why the EEOC settlement includes essentially having an EEOC person embedded in Activision for three years, uh, if not more, depending on how that process goes. But it's still a matter of belief. It hasn't been litigated. We don't know what Activision's answer is. Uh, we certainly know from Twitter and social media and elsewhere that there are a lot of people that have their own stories and complaints about how HR operated and how the company was and certainly drunk parties uh, at these various places. And so it certainly appears that Activision at bare minimum was somewhat uh, hands off when they needed to be uh, taking control of situations at their companies. But even that is a little bit speculative because we just don't have the facts on the ground as of yet. Well, and the stuff the stuff that's been coming out here the last the last few weeks, uh, the last couple of months, with people who have been put in charge, and then yep. leave. Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, was it Gonzalez? Jessica Gonzalez? Yes, she just left. I just I I just talked about that actually, and that's very interesting. Her her. So if people don't know, I I refer to a better ABK and my videos as a proto union. Um, and that's not intended to be disparaging. They, they're, they're doing concerted activities, doing union-like things uh, before a union is recognized. The, the Activision hasn't gone through and collected cards or done a vote or anything like that. But a better ABK is kind of working with CWA to potentially become a union. They've asked to be recognized as one, which they can't really until there's enough people on board. Uh, but Jessica Gonzalez, as far as I understand it, and a lot of this is we all have to kind of depend on outside reporting, sure. was one of the sparks, one of the leaders of that movement was working on some of the walkouts that happened early on. Um, and so uh, her leaving and in her message, she says, essentially, I gotta, I gotta look after my well-being more than I gotta wor worry about Activision Blizzards uh, is significant. It'll be interesting to see exactly whether or not that movement continues to grow inside. And, and that's what I mean when I talk about stakeholders, right? There are things that Activision is doing now that their own employees are essentially looking at in the worst possible light. And I don't blame them but that's what Activision has done effectively to itself with its messaging is that, hey, OK, we're not renewing the contracts of 12 temporary workers in Wisconsin becomes a messaging thing that goes out onto social media. And then that results in walkouts across their company at, at various QA groups. That might not have happened without the rest of all of this occurring at the same time. So I think Activision is just on its back leg in terms of figuring out how to navigate this amongst all of these stakeholders. And I think if, if you want an argument for why management needs to be at least shuffled, if not outright replaced, it's that they have indicated no ability to handle this particular communications crisis that is effectively uh, harming their company every day. What, what are the ramifications of so many different complaints and actions and employee petitions and the stakeholders are now getting involved and you've got people at various different levels of the corporate structure demanding or requesting or suggesting that Bobby Kotek should resign, uh, yes. not just the employees, but at the shareholder level, the, the, the C-suite. I mean, it's coming from all sides. And you have other, you know, game platforms like uh, Xbox and Nintendo, and, and they're all looking at it saying, uh, you know, we're keeping an eye on this. There's so much pressure on Bobby Kotick. Why hasn't he resigned yet, do you think? Well, he has tremendous power there. I mean, to some extent, Activision is Bobby Kotick. Um, he saved him from bankruptcy. Uh, that does also mean that he can't just sweep any cultural issues under the rug. It, it is effectively him, for the most part, for as long as it's existed. Um, they have tried as one of their defenses to suggest that they largely originated Blizzard when they bought them. And they've tried to kind of say that was a mistake and that's why we're centralizing, et cetera. I, I would say reports of the pressure, which are significant, is perhaps at least one notch overblown, in my opinion. And this is all going to be opinion on this kind of stuff. You look at things like the shareholders exerting pressure. You know, the original shareholders 
that made their public complaint to express that they were interested in having Bobby Kotick leave represent, I think, 0.5% of the full equity of the company. So that's, that's many steps removed from a full shareholder revolt. You then had a story about state treasurers going out and saying, hey, we'd be interested in voting out the board if you don't do something about management, et cetera, et cetera. But then when pressed, you look at like the Axios stories, you see things like, well, it's not important how much stock or how much money we have invested in the company, which raises a red flag for me, which says, okay, so you, you probably don't have that big of an interest in the company. If, if you do, you're shouting that to the high heavens when you make that kind of public commitment, right? Yeah. You're saying we represent a significant portion of the company. We want to see this change. So, so on the shareholder side, a little bit unclear. Bobby Kotick's still a force. Uh, he, he still has at least a couple of insiders on the board. If you go through their bios, there's clearly people that are, are going to be on, on Bobby's team. So while I think Bobby might just take the ship down with him if he stays, just based on how things are being handled right now, um, he, he's going to have to be convinced by more than what we're seeing right now uh, to actually exit. And that doesn't mean it won't happen. In fact, the ingredients are there for it happening, potentially, but we're not there yet, and we just don't know what direction that's going to go. Can this lead to Bobby getting fired and getting removed, or does he, does it have to end with him resigning? Is that the best the best resolution one way or the other, or it's too soon to tell? Bobby's got power. Bobby's got stock. Um, and so the worst possible thing probably for Activision in terms of its financial success, and this is separated from justice and, and everything else, uh, is probably to avoid a protracted or you know, fireworks-laden fight uh, between the board and Bobby Kotick. Right. Um, so if you have that kind of situation where it's, it's just explosive all around, that's when you really see the, the stock dive. Um, so I think, in all honesty, if Bobby's going to leave, it's going to have to be with some very convincing arguments. Um, you know, he's, he's rich. He, he's got a lot of money for a lot of years. Um, so it's essentially kind of an ego thing at this point in time. Um, and, you know, outside of the cultural issues, I, he, he saved the company and built it into a into a billion dollar enterprise. I, so he's going to have a tough time separating himself from that, even if it makes the most sense, both for the company itself and for his equity interest in the company. Yeah. Um, and certainly people like that. And I don't know Bobby Kotick, um, but people that get into those positions that do those kinds of things in their lives. Uh, don't like to be forced into situations in general. Um, so there's some navigating to be done. And I think, you know, if you, if you had uh, a, a very technically minded and smart board of directors, you could potentially navigate these waters. Unfortunately, I think everything that we've seen from Activision Blizzard so far suggests that they don't have that management. I mean, that's what worries me um, when I look at these kinds of things is that there are ways to handle all of this better, all of it. Uh, and they, in every instance that I've seen for four months, have essentially taken the harder way. Uh, and so I don't see that changing, uh, but it could. I, it only takes one man to say, I'm enough of this. I'm going to go take my private jet elsewhere. Um, <laughs> and then I think you can start to get some kind of refreshing. But I just can't tell you that because it really is in the control of one person. All right. Well, we will take a break and come back with more with Richard Hogue of Hogue Law talking about the Activision Blizzard kerfuffle i guess you could say because it's bigger than just this one thing with the california lawsuit and and the other the eeoc so we'll get into that right after this stay tuned this is sci-fi for me radio sci-fi for me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction fantasy and horror interviews with writers filmmakers artists and actors Conventions and fandom, previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi For Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi For Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with uh, Ryan Gallagher and our guest Richard Hogue of Hogue Law. Uh, Richard, let me let me get into this here for just a second because we we've talked about uh, the the California lawsuit. That's the the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and then you've got the EEOC bringing a complaint. They just settled that here 
not too long ago for $18 million. It's not final yet, but it's, yes. Okay, it's not final. So so you've got those things, but I'm, I'm looking at all of these other things. You've got lawsuits, you've got allegations of harassment, you've got the suicide, you've got employee walkouts, you have executives resigning, you've got petitions for, for Bobby Kotek to resign as CEO, and then there's all of this having to do with uh, the Raven software layoffs, which is yep. another layer of, of complications for all of this because you have people now getting fired and you've got workers at Blizzard who are walking out over this. So what is, what is this complication here? Well, so here's another area where it gets a little bit cloudy. As initially reported, a, a social media community manager at Raven goes out with very strongly worded tweets over the weekend. It's what caught my attention, saying that people had been asked to come to Wisconsin where Raven had its headquarters to do quality assurance and that they were being brought in one by one and told that they were being fired as of, I think it's January 28th or something along those lines. There's a couple of things that don't make sense there in that story as originally presented, which is, you know, why give two months? What is this all about? And after that, Raven QA started coordinating essentially a walkout. And that was a couple of days ago. This then graduated to a number of areas at Activision, at least as reported, including, I believe what was reported was Treyarch, which is another subsidiary of Activision's entire quality assurance team, walked out. But Activision has a response to this, which is, hey, we are making a lot of our temporary contractors full-time. They say 500. And you can take all this with a grain of salt, again, because Activision hasn't earned your trust in the last four months. So I do understand that. Right. Uh, but they say we're, we're making temporary workers. We're making 500 of them full time. But as we shift our resources around, that does mean 20 contractors are not going to have their contracts renewed, which makes more sense out of the facts that we know. You know, a contractor under a term contract is going to have a specific amount of time they're performing services. And then at the end of that time, the company can decide to extend it, renew it, build another contract, make them a full time employee or not. But that date is generally one of those dates where if you're in a contractor position, and I have a lot of clients that are contractors and work on these kinds of things all the time, that's the date where you kind of put the question mark and you don't know. And oftentimes there's a notice window. And if you do the math backwards, you see, all right, if they have to leave January 28th and this gets reported and they're bringing people in, that sounds like it's a 60-day kind of notice window or 45-day where they say, hey, you're not going to have your contract renewed, but it's going to continue through the end of January. Now, that doesn't make it any better for those folks, and especially if they were essentially told that they were going to get contracts or full-time jobs or you know, promotions or raises uh, and come to Wisconsin on your own dime and we're going to take care of you. Doesn't make it any better when Activision says, yeah, nah, no, we're not. But it is at least a slightly different story between, hey, we're just laying off random people and we're actually just not renewing their contracts for any number of reasons, because we're moving to full-time employees like you want us to do, because we're reorganizing how quality assurance works. Clearly, there's a communications issue between management, including just at Raven and their own people and Activision down the line. And that becomes this spiraling story, right? What, what I meant was when they lose stakeholders, when they have foundational issues with those stakeholders, everybody reads everything most negatively. So you have a situation that's honestly probably pretty normal for how Activision operates. You don't have to like how they operate on a normal basis without all this, but probably pretty normal. We're going to look at the value proposition of certain groups and we're not going to renew certain contractors. That's why we use term contracts. I'm sure they could say. Um, and yet I have to say, it's the stupidest thing on earth. If you're running this company to know the situation that you're in and not just eat 20 contracts, they actually say, we're only going to wind up not renewing contracts for 20 people, not just figuring out that this is a bad time to do that. Yeah. And that's what I mean by Activision management takes the hard road seemingly every time. Crisis communicators should know we're in a bad way right now. We're coming. We have stakeholders arguing against our current management philosophies, individuals at our management teams, and we need to be very, very careful. And they're just not doing that. They're just saying, ah, normal course of business. They are not acting like they're in the crisis that they're actually in. Hmm. Crazy. Crazy times. Well, you've got this article here. This, this just posted for, uh, uh, just a few hours ago. Uh, Ooh, about okay. attor attorney Lisa Bloom announced a press conference demanding Activision Blizzard take accountability for its toxic work culture. Uh, this is MSN.com. Bloom, owner of California-based The Bloom Firm, 
along with a current Blizzard employee that Bloom represents, no name given, uh, will be outside the company's headquarters Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, quote, that should have already happened. That right? should have already happened. Is that? Yeah, so I saw this, this Twitter thread yesterday. I did I did comment on this. I mean, so there's nothing wrong with this. This is a plaintiff's attorney, as I, as I described it, doing plaintiff's attorney things, announcing that she's going to have a press conference outside. I was very interested in seeing exactly what the what, what her client had to say. I'll have to check on that after we after we have this conversation, as well as what demands are made of the company. It, it, it will be very interesting to see how much they dovetail with what we've heard from California, what we've heard from the EEOC or not. Um, but it's certainly the kind of thing where you hire a plaintiff's attorney to do a press conference like this. The goal there is that you don't think as an individual that you're being fully and properly represented by those departments, whether it's DFEH or EEOC, and, and you want to bring a complaint directly against the company. Right. Um, so that's also another kind of concern that Activision has. You don't have to sign up with the DFEH's settlement whenever that might come. You don't have to sign up with the EEOC settlement. You can just make Activision's life harder on an individualized basis. Um, and this story doesn't go away in any capacity for a very long time. Hmm. This is this is a rabbit hole down to us down down to a cesspool, isn't it? So yeah, how... I mean, I, I don't think anything looks good here. Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of the stories coming out, and, and I, I say this in a lot of uh, places. You know, I, I think the 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 proto union sometimes reaches a little bit aggressively into areas that aren't specifically covered by this crisis. I think Activision says a lot of bad things that they shouldn't have said, and should be a little bit more circumspect about what they're putting out there in communication. So everybody's still human beings all the way down, but. I do think there's a real problem with the way this is being handled. And I do respect the folks that are currently working at this company saying, we're going to take matters into our own hands. We're going to start demanding certain things. Sometimes those go too far. You'll hear that commentary on my channel. But I do think overall, it's a good thing to have folks focused on what were seemingly real issues. Uh, And I'm very interested to see how Activision handles it on a legal basis. But for right now, they look terrible all around. Post lawsuit, you get a number of other complaints that come out. You know, after the California thing, how much, how much of this could possibly be? I, don't, I, I hate to, I hate to ask this question even, but how much of this could be opportunistic, piling on, yummy yeah, too type of things, as opposed to people with legitimate, well-founded complaints that need to be addressed as opposed to somebody who was like, well, yeah, I never liked the guy anyway. I'm going to complain too. Do you, do you think any of that is factoring into the mix? I think that when the floodgates open, uh, you get, you know, hangers on in certain respects. Uh, I think the volume that we're seeing and, and the things that are being said suggest a significant issue. Um, when you talk about, hey, they put a charging document up with the Department of Labor. I don't know whether that'll go anywhere. You hear about the Securities and Exchange Commission doing an investigation. I tend to think that one won't uh, insofar as the investigations here probably aren't of a size that necessarily needed to be disclosed in the fashions that they're being accused of. You have a shareholder class action basically on the same lines that I think are weaker uh, than the, the direct actions. That's probably no surprise. The ancillary kind of lawsuits and charges are always uh, not quite as focused as the central complaint. Um, but in terms of individuals, I, I think there's definitely a sense that there's blood in the water. Uh, I think there's definitely a sense that California and their Department of Fair Employment and Housing is eager to make examples of video game companies, rightly or wrongly. You can feel however you like about that. Um, But, you know, they came hard against Riot. Uh, They're coming hard against Activision. And I think you're seeing that reflected in certain places where it seems a little bit less warranted. We saw that there's a gender discrimination lawsuit made against Sony Interactive Entertainment. I also reviewed that on my channel, and it is... It uses the language of the California lawsuit, but it is not remotely as strong as that lawsuit. Uh, So you are definitely seeing plaintiff's attorneys, class action lead attorneys talking to people in various rooms and saying, oh, sure, you know, we might be able to win this. We might be able to extract a settlement. We might be able to do something with it. And and lawyers are very necessary. I like lawyers. Uh, But (laughs) like any other human being, you got good ones. You got bad ones. You got people that are I I hesitate to use the word opportunistic. They're, They're taking advantage of what is a public zeitgeist. Uh, and a way of saying, hey, even if we don't have the strongest claim, then the company in question still has value in settling with us or making us go away because it's it's open season. Yeah. Um, and that might not look like justice. 
uh, but it's kind of what goes along with things that do look like justice. So I, I take a relatively light hand to that. I don't love some of that stuff, but right. I think most of it's probably legitimate and certainly legitimate grievances. But whenever you have people reexamining their experiences, possibly if you now start thinking of your prior employer as a place that was a cesspool, you start to reconsider memories that you have about that Christmas party or what have you. Definitely. Sure. Well, now going back to something because because you mentioned the you mentioned that the California lawsuit is very um, vague when it comes to the Cosby Room, for example. That that was yeah, years you know, way back. Yeah. Uh, how how far back? Just in terms of legal uh, application here, when we're talking about harassment, we're talking about uh, various different things in the corporate culture that should not be there. What's the statute of limitations here? How far back do we go where we're still able to complain about something, irregardless, irrespective of whether or not the culture has changed, we're still going to complain about this thing that happened 12 years ago or, or six years ago? How far back can we go to have a legitimate grievance? Well, I mean, I can't tell you what the statute of limitations for California on, on any number of these things uh, is off the top of my head. We could certainly look it up, but it's going to be a number of years. Um, and a lot of those kinds of inclusions in a document like California put is designed to give you a feel for the defendant. Right. So the, the, the Cosby suite in and of itself probably didn't rise to the level of a specific incident of harassment. It's designed to make you aware of the culture at the company, the, the overall claim is that Activision systematically and intentionally oppressed women through discrimination and harassment. Like, and that's effectively perpetual. It's happening right now, says California. And here are, the, here are pieces of data that show that that's the company that we're looking at in this lawsuit. Yeah. So any specific complaint, the reason we have statutes of limitation, of course, is that, becomes, that the case gets colder. It becomes harder to find witnesses that can remember things properly. It becomes harder to prove the case. And we don't want to be we don't want to be penalizing people on kind of specious and circumstantial bases. So that's why statutes of limitation exist. I know they can often feel like technicalities or things you hear shouted in law and order or whatnot. But they exist because as things get colder, we get less sure that the court system can actually determine the truth value of whatever is presented. Um, so that's why they exist. It's going to be a number of years. I think you saw in the EEOC's uh, settlement document that for their purview, Title VII, they were applying it, I want to say, to four years prior to the settlement. It might be five, uh, but it's, it's that kind of number of years uh, that apply to the settlement document. And if you've been affected, EEOC is directly based on specific harassment, especially pregnancy, um, and you have to have experienced that directly to go ask for some of that $18 million that Activision is putting aside for that settlement, then it's for a four-year period, give or take. Um, and so you'd have similar kind of concepts uh, potentially for those directly affected, but Activision in and of itself is on trial here from the state of California, not for anything specific, but for an entire culture. What are the odds that Activision divests itself of Blizzard after all of this? Uh, I don't know the odds. I would say that there's a very real possibility in my mind that the Blizzard name goes away. Um, I think there's been a certain success, limited perhaps, but a certain amount of success with Activision attaching most of these problems and stories to Blizzard and their purchase of Blizzard and stories about Blizzard. Um, and so I don't know that there's a ton of value in the Blizzard name itself over Activision's. <laughs> I don't know whether Activision's name survives, uh, but they're, they're almost certainly going to keep their assets. Um, they don't they don't really get out of this litigation by just kind of moving things around. This wasn't just directed at Blizzard. If you go look at the documents, it's it's Activision Blizzard, the parent. It's Activision Publishing, the Activision side. It's Blizzard Entertainment, the Blizzard side. It, it, it's everybody involved here. So you're not going to get out of any liability exposure for this. So then the use case becomes public relations, right? What does the Blizzard name mean? What is its value? Uh, and if Diablo 4 comes out, and it says Activision instead of Blizzard, is anything lost? Are, are, we, are we losing people that think it's made by a different company? And I don't think there's enough attention paid to that um, to have value in the Blizzard name. I've floated in other places. I could see the whole company just being changed to King, the, the, the K in ABK, which they also own, uh, but King is pretty well thought of uh, and you could change the whole thing. But I don't, I don't see a spinoff. I don't see a reorganization that way as much as I see a reframing and rebranding. Ryan, what are you thinking there? You got you have a you have a pensive look on your face. 
<laughs> yeah, I've kind of so I've just been like kind of pondering more on. So as somebody who's more familiar with Blizzard due to the esports kind of side of things, I just remember sure. I'm like, uh, so in it was early in August, like a bunch of Blizzard's advertisement got like yoinked away from them. Um, I know like Coca Cola and like Kellogg's all like stopped promoting for uh, like Overwatch League, and then. Yeah. We see like a lot of the things of like, hey, we put World of Warcraft on hold. Uh, we're putting Blizzard or Overwatch Two is being pushed back. It's going to be free to play, um, and all of this just keeps on seeming like uh, it's spiraling to the, hey, everything Activision is making is kind of like the wrong decision almost. Um, I'm just or kind of or you kind of mentioned that a little bit like when they're you know why didn't they keep the 20 people or uh, for right the yeah absolutely. And I just kind of, I'm just looking at this and I'm just like, this is really kind of just adding up of like, how how far down is Activision Blizzard going to fall? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's part of the stock price story too, right? I mean, it's, it's always easy to look at a, a line and a number and say, oh, it's because it's of this, this, and this. I mean, part of that story is Call of Duty Vanguard's numbers are a bit soft. Um, and Blizzard basically said everything that you thought might be coming pretty soon is not. Diablo 4 is not 2022. Overwatch 2 is not 2022. Um, and so you think about Activision as a bundle of assets, and they really put all their eggs in the Call of Duty basket. You have a soft result. You have all the Blizzard stuff go out. You have things like the Wall Street Journal article and Jen O'Neill, who they put as co-lead of Blizzard, walking out effectively and with quotes leaked by someone, which would seem to have to be Jen O'Neill's team, but we don't know for sure, with commentary saying she felt she felt discriminated against now in the fall and you've got real problems across the board with how blizzard is managed she was in charge at least as described of overwatch and diablo as she left um so there's all sorts of problems not just with culture not just with treating people the right way but with producing things um that you can call into question and that can be a part of that story for activision's stock price fall as well but we do know they have Diablo, they have Overwatch, they have the various crafts, War and Star, they have Call of Duty. It's a good, valuable bundle of assets. You just got to make sure that it's you know being managed properly. So it wouldn't surprise me if you did see a bounce to the stock price. As you're evaluating this, you're trying to determine if you're an, <laughs> excuse me, if you're an investor, can they write the ship? Can they make good things? Are they going to change? Maybe those folks can write the ship. You don't know, but at some point it just starts to look, you know, discounted enough where you're willing to take the flyer, and that's when you get those bounces. And like um, some of the adjustments they've made, uh, so they've had a lot of changes to, uh, I believe, uh, World of Warcraft and Overwatch um, with name changes uh, and just kind of changes like that. Um, so like for one example, like Jesse McCree was changed to Cole Cassidy right. because of Jesse McCree was one of the people. Um, I believe involved in the Cosby suite. Uh, and it's he just like, named, yeah, yeah. Uh, just like how uh, are these changes? Like, I don't know. I've heard. So as somebody who's in the gaming community, people, some people don't look at this and be like, I can tell you uh, people like many people that are just like, yeah, we're just going to still call him Jesse McCree because like we are not involved in this. Um, but it's just like, how much are these like, yes, these are the right changes, but, are these the only changes that kind of need to be made in the game itself? You know, I, those from a legal perspective, they don't need to change anything. They, you know, the, the McCree character isn't the McCree person. I, if, if Activision learned any lesson from all this, and maybe all of video gaming should learn this lesson, is be careful about naming things after people because right. people are people. Uh, and you don't know what you don't know as to how they're behaving. Let's say that this was the only incident and Activision Blizzard was otherwise clean as a whistle, you'd still have a public relations problem if something problematic came out about McCree or anybody else. So I think they're going to be more cautious about that, even though they like to be you know, self-referential uh, in the past. So I don't think you'll see them do that again. Uh, but these changes are public relations based, right? I mean, they're, okay, let's make sure there's not things that are overly lascivious in our products. Let's make sure that we don't reference people that are otherwise named in these lawsuits uh, and, and things like that. Um, there's, there's nothing legal about that. There, re there really wasn't a problem uh, referencing something else. It just looks bad. Um, so I think they will 
continue to look at what they're producing that we haven't seen yet. Your Overwatch 2s and your Diablo 4s will probably have another you know, pass gone over them to make sure that they don't uh, reflect some of the real-life situations that they're trying to avoid reflecting. Uh, otherwise, I don't, I don't see a lot of need to change. Certainly their back catalog, you know, your, your Warcrafts, your Starcrafts, a little bit more polygonal, a little bit less even capable of offending, I would argue. Um, so I, I don't see a lot of product changes um, from here, but they might. I, I, it's so difficult to tell you what Activision Blizzard will do because <laughs> I would disagree with fully 90% of what I, what I report on and talk about for what they actually decided to do. Well, and on top of all of that, in, in the gaming community at large, you also have this problem with crunch, you know, with this last minute, everybody's working 60 to 80 hours a week to get this deadline and then they don't get it or, you know, everybody's overworked and underpaid and all of that part of this as well. And then invariably, somebody is going to bring up Gamergate as part of all of this. I'm, I'm actually surprised that I haven't seen any mentions of it yet. Um, but it, is the general public at large, Ryan talks about the gaming community themselves, they don't care very much about certain, certain pieces of this. Yeah. Is it easier to take shots at gaming companies because of the, the, the mythology that surrounds Gamergate now is, is the giant boogeyman? I mean, the Gamergate's been tied to everything from... From uh, you know school shootings to to sexual harassment to the the incident on January six. I mean, it's all Gamergate's fault. I'm really surprised this hasn't come up in this discussion yet. Well, I mean, I to be honest with you, I you know I wasn't virtual reality didn't exist uh, when when that all originally went down, so I can't speak to its original meaning or, or use there. Yeah. I can say that I have people come into MySpace and, and, and talk about it, especially when I'm talking about. Um, you're on MySpace. You're, you're still on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, hey, I had I, to. I, don't know if I had to. Still exists. Now I want to go check that out. Yeah. Yeah. No. So so I still have people come into my comments and, and say things about it, especially when I do videos about problems I find with articles. Yeah. Um, in generally ambiguities and messaging and things like that. Uh, I think that clearly it had a resonant impact on a lot of players in the industry. It does get referenced still. Um, and so my guess is that the kinds of qualities of social media interaction and doing things even on you know, the, the proto-union side are reflective of certain of those movements, but I can't tie it myself to that uh, because I, 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 don't, I don't see how it would apply specifically to this situation other than it's gaming. Yeah. Um, so... I apologize for the lack of answer there, but I don't I don't know how to better answer that one. Well, let let's try this one exercise because I'm seeing in the chat various different people here. I, I see Stephanie and, and Radio Retro Future here, Crystal Donna. I've got a number of these uh, little vo somethings dot fyi. Do you know what this is, or, or is is this code? Is this gamer code here that I'm? I'm, I'm, cause I'm old. I peaked at the Atari 2600. So I, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> way behind knowledge. on all of this stuff. So I, I wasn't I don't, sure. I don't recognize that. That was just, okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a bot. You never know. I know, I know radio retro future is not a bot, but everybody else, I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah. So, so what happens from here? Where do we go from here, Richard? What, what do, how do you see this possibly playing out? Well, we are definitely awaiting their answer to the California lawsuit. It, it seems unlikely that California is going to drop that easily. Um, I will tell you that the vast bulk of complaints that are brought in, in a litigation context don't wind up in court, that almost everything gets settled if the parties can find a place to settle. But California definitely appears to want to send a message with Activision. Um, so they're going to pursue it at least for a time. Uh, and so Activision is going to have to answer, going to have to go through some of the process at bare minimum. And it'll be worthwhile to watch. Undoubtedly, when they put that document up, I'll be covering it. Um, on the EEOC side, uh, you know, I said there's a settlement agreed to. Uh, it isn't final because California objected to it. Now, California has limited standing to object to it. In fact, that's what the EEOC says. What are you, what are you objecting to? We're, we're entering into a settlement for the EEOC. And if uh, women want to take part in our settlement. They, it's their 
it's their election. They, they don't, they're not owned by us. They're not owned by you, DFEH. So yeah. they're having a, they're having a jurisdictional fight, um, which isn't terribly good for whatever women might have been affected. Didn't you uh, also but, mention something about a conflict of interest between yes. uh, parties uh, that are involved in this? Yeah. So when the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, when California objected to the settlement, the EEOC immediately responded and said, hey, two of our lawyers are working for you. They shouldn't be doing that. That's a conflict of interest because we're now clearly on opposite sides. We're trying to get a, a settlement done and you're trying to stop us. So there shouldn't <laughs> be lawyers that work for, on this project for us working on this project for you. Um, and that's become kind of a kind of a fight that's continuing to be a fight. Activision actually tried to use that to get their own uh, action stopped. The court declined that. Still might be an issue, honestly, uh, in the long term, because it, it doesn't look like it was handled properly by the state of California, certainly by what was indicated uh, that we know about. No. Um, but it's kind of a kind of a side piece to to what's happening right now. EEOC is going to settle. I think that's going to go through to part despite the state of California. They're going to go away. You're going to get some kind of responses about the Securities and Exchange Commission's investigation, the Department of Labor's charging document. We'll see if a bigger push for unionization happens at Activision. Certainly a better ABK wants that. We don't know what kind of percentage of the employees at that company they represent. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow that as well. You're going to have continuing, I think, kind of walkouts uh, for certain issues if Activision Blizzard doesn't get a little bit more responsive. So I think it's it's a company in tumult that has both legal things that they're going to have to be dealing with more specifically, more formally, and public relations things, which they haven't been handling uh, well at all. Right? You just saw this last week. The Game Awards got into some trouble for saying, hey, we're a little bit noncommittal as to whether we're going to do anything about Activision. Uh, and a bunch of outlets started reporting on that. And I think that's a little bit unfair to the Game Awards. I don't think they have an obligation to do something in this particular respect, especially if you don't, you know, if you don't know, if you haven't done the research, if you haven't read the documents, done all this stuff. But um, it certainly got reported on a lot. And this is going to continue to happen for Activision Blizzard. If you yeah. go and you look at IGN or GameSpot or anywhere else, and you look at a review of Call of Duty Vanguard or any news story about them, they all have these paragraphs at the top that says, you know, they're currently allegations that for all practical purposes, they suck. And that's on top of everything that you read about this company. So it'll go away eventually on a long enough time horizon, right? But <laughs> for right now, they are in a world of it. Uh, and I don't know when it ends. And in the meantime, it gives you plenty of fodder for your uh, for your videos. I was not expecting a channel, thirty video. Right? <laughs> I was not expecting a thirty video playlist out of this. They're they're, they're gunning for Epic versus Apple's title. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll see on that. But um, I think that there are important things to discuss uh, in all of those videos. I try not to repeat myself uh, when I'm making playlists, and otherwise, I don't want to do it. Uh, frankly, it's, it's, I'm I'm a, I'm a lawyer first and a YouTuber second, uh, but. It is continuing to be very, very interesting. Yeah. So we'll we'll definitely see where it goes. I am positive thirty is not the end of that playlist. Um, <laughs> so anything could happen, and yeah. and your viewers and listeners should definitely stay tuned because it is a very, very uh, precipitous fall that Activision might be experiencing pretty yeah. soon. Well, and we do have a link to Richard's YouTube channel as well Thank as you. his Twitter account. And uh, pardon for all the Michigan football. If you don't love Michigan Wolverine <laughs> football, I do cover it a lot. And the website hoglaw.com. So, uh, so you. Richard, thanks very much for being here, sir. We do appreciate it. And 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 I've got to say, is sitting sitting through some of your videos, um, you you explain things well enough that a layperson like me who hasn't been in gaming for a while could still understand what's going on. So so the the explanations are very concise and they're understandable and i do recommend if anybody has got any interest at all in this situation or anything legal involving any of the other gaming stuff go check out richard's channel and see uh what he's got there you can get up to speed on on all of that thanks so much yeah and we will definitely have you back and as things develop we'll uh we'll figure out our our part two for this i don't know that we'll get 30 videos out of it but you never know <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna i'm I not gonna race you so no <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much, everyone, for being here. I want to thank our guest, Richard Hogue, and uh, Ryan Gallagher, me. my co-host. Thanks for being here as well. And thanks to all of you for being here. If you are here on the replay, remember you can still leave us a comment. You can send email feedback live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. 
And if you want to get in touch with us through social media or newsletter or send us something in the mail for review, there's all of the ways that you can get in touch with us. Frame grab that because it's a very long list. So uh, in the meantime, uh, don't forget, we do have coming up on Saturday, we've got Good Morning Multiverse at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern. And then at 1 p.m. Eastern, a new Foreign Bodies. And uh, then we're going to be taking a break for the winter for Christmas and all of that. So, uh, But do check out uh, the rest of the shows that we've got here. If you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on for all of the new stuff that we post. Check out all the rest of the videos. Feel free to share. And uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out. And we will be back with more tomorrow here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Uh, leave you with this little something here for you folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.